0: Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Facing Fears and Shifting Gears. This is a podcast about mental health and neurodiversity and how difficult times in our lives often lead us to positive breakthroughs and changes. So when I was learning how to ride a motorcycle, I felt especially challenged. (laughs) Um, It is a very outside of the box activity for me. And I felt like I'm just not the kind of person that rides a motorcycle. So in order to learn safely, I thought to myself, what kind of a person rides motorcycles? I came up with the idea that there's two different kinds of people that ride motorcycles. And one is the fearless, impulsive, and kind of foolish type. (laughs) And the other is somebody who really enjoys the process of learning how to do something challenging. And so I realized if I wanted to be successful, I was going to have to be that kind of person. And I came up with these 10 Zen principles to apply to my motorcycle learning journey, but I really found that they applied to life. And today I'm going to talk about the first Zen principle of good motorcycle riding habits, which is to respond to situations instead of reacting to them. And I have to tell you, this one is one that I am still working on being that I was just diagnosed on the autism spectrum recently and have found out that a lot of my emotional reactions to things are because I've gotten overwhelmed. Basically, my neurological system has gotten overwhelmed and I've become neurologically dysregulated. And then it's almost like you're having a seizure, but it looks like you're throwing a temper tantrum. And so I'm still in the process of trying to, I'm still trying to figure out which things are the things that eventually build up and trigger. Because it's not like I just walk into a noisy room and then suddenly I can't handle it. I can be in a noisy big room with fluorescent lights and a lot of talking and stuff like that for a certain amount of time. But at some point it becomes overwhelming. And so my job and my responsibility is to figure out what that is, because it's not only embarrassing for me when it happens, but it pisses everybody else off. (laughs) And like, I don't want to be that person. So what is the difference between reacting and responding? So reacting is more of a quote unquote human nature kind of thing. Um, It is the fight or flight response that we have so that back in the days when we were living in caves and living in trees, (laughs) responding to situations is a learned behavior. It is not instinctual. And a lot of times it goes against your intuition when you're responding. So the example was on the motorcycle. If I'm reacting on the motorcycle to danger or something I'm afraid of, I'm probably going to make a sudden move that is not well thought out. And it's not something that I was taught to do when I was learning to ride a motorcycle. Reacting to situations on the motorcycle can lead to accidents. The number one reaction that a lot of beginners have when they're on the motorcycle is they will grab the brake instead of gently pulling the brake in. And that's a reaction. It's just like slamming on the brakes in the car when you're skidding on ice. If you slam on the brakes when you're driving a car and you're skidding on ice or you're hydroplaning on water, slamming on the brakes is a reaction that only makes that situation worse. And it's the same on the motorcycle. If you grab the brake on a motorcycle, you're gonna skid out and you're probably gonna get hurt. Or you might stop really short and flip over the handlebars. But reacting on the motorcycle usually leads to something bad happening. What you want to do is to cultivate responses. And those responses may become so automatic at some point that they seem like their reactions. But they're something that you cultivated. So when I was learning how to r- ride a motorcycle, I spent a lot of time in my garage just sitting on the motorcycle and sort of, creating muscle memory with, you know, where is my foot on the foot peg compared to where it is on the brake? Um, How do I make sure I'm closing out the throttle when I'm pulling in the brake instead of, because a lot of times if you grab the brake, your hand will actually hit the throttle. And then that's something called whiskey throttling (laughs) when you're hitting the throttle when you don't want to. And then the bike, you lose control of the bike because it just goes. I'm actually going to read a little passage from my book, The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle, about how I felt like I became a reactionary person after my mother tried to commit suicide. So after stopping my mother from taking her own life that night, my life became one big reaction. I could no longer just be. There was no more responding to life. It became difficult to process things. There was no conscious living, just emotional reactions. Being in a state of panic became my baseline normal. I could no longer afford to just relax and take things in life at face value anymore. The world became a scary and uncertain place, a place where if I didn't read between the lines and do something about it immediately, someone could die. It was all life or death and fight or flight. I became paranoid I'd missed something and began reacting too much and reading into things. With my mom, I had reacted to something I didn't understand, and that reaction saved my mother's life. This reinforced in me a belief that I was responsible for her actions. Had I not called her back, she would have died. It would have been all my fault. So I felt like I always had to be on guard, hypervigilant. I had to be ready to act the next time a crisis struck. My feelings and impulses made decisions for me. They helped me save my mother's life that night, or so I believed. So do you have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water is clear? That is a quote by Lao Tzu, Chinese philosopher. So what is the difference between reacting and responding? Reacting is impulsive, instinctual, and spontaneous. Reacting is not a cultivated skill. Reacting is not well thought out. So the other night i threw the television remote control at my husband he was kind of joking and making fun of me about how i was flipping through channels and he was basically like i'm getting dizzy you're flipping through the channels too quickly and i just got annoyed and i threw the remote control at him which is like really rude um that is a reaction that was not a response to him you know he was just teasing me so a response would have been to say here just take the remote and pick something because I can't, I, I can't find anything to watch. So in my book, I continue. Grabbing the front brake on a motorcycle and skidding out is a reaction. Staying on the throttle and swerving out of the way of danger is a response. Reacting was important for our survival back in the days when we were living in trees and caves. Our instinctive reactions kept us from getting eaten alive by lions or other beasts. The fight-or-flight response kept us alive when we were at the bottom of the food chain. But reacting, particularly in the modern world, can be reckless. So there was this um, endocrinologist named Hans... Se- I don't know how to say this last name. S-E-L-Y-E in 1907. Um, he was the founder of the stress theory. Um, and he was would say that Our reactions in the modern world are not always appropriate. They were instilled in us back in the days, like I said, when we were living out in the wild. But when we're experiencing anxiety in the modern world, oftentimes we're not in immediate danger of losing our lives. Like even losing a job or, you know, being reprimanded by your boss, you start to get that feeling like, oh, it's all going to fall apart, but... Is it really? I mean, you're not about to be eaten alive. You may be in danger of losing your income, but that's not something that we really necessarily need our fight and flight response activated in order to, to deal with it. You just, you go online and you look for another job. So responding is derived from the word responsible. Responding is a well thought out, conscious and mindful action. It means that we are taking the time to cultivate skills and to learn a process. It means we take the time to consciously process information before acting on it. So according to this article by um, psychologytoday.com, the difference between reacting and responding can make a big difference in the outcomes in our lives. So the Latin root of the word react is to um, back to do perform. The key takeaway is that you are taking action back at someone or something. In contrast, the Latin root of respond is back answer. The key takeaway is that you are answering back to someone or something, usually in words where reacting is you're actually doing something. So according to psychologytoday.com, reactions are driven by our amygdala, that part in our brains that is grounded in our survival instincts, and that there's no time to deliberate when it comes to an instinctual reaction. And they even go on to say in this article that what worked on the Serengeti doesn't work in the 21st century where the prefrontal cortex is better suited for responses that work. And I think it's words are really important. The words that we use, you know, throughout the day to describe things in our life, they're very powerful. I talk about that under the zen principle of looking in the direction you want to go and not where you don't want to go, and I'll talk more about that when we get to that one, but that's making sure that you're thinking and speaking in positives and not negatives, meaning you're looking at what you want and thinking about what you want and not thinking about what you don't want. Words are really powerful. They act as a lens through which we perceive, interpret, and analyze our world. And they also label and define our experiences. We understand the difference. What's the difference between react and respond? So continuing with this Psychology Today article, they say humans are wired through millions of years of evolution to react in certain ways to situations that present themselves. This focus on reaction is grounded in our survival instinct and the understanding that on the Serengeti 250,000 years ago, when we officially became Homo sapiens, there was no time to ponder and deliberate before taking action because... During that time, our ancestors would likely be killed. We were still guided predominantly by our amygdala, and our emerging cerebral cortex had little need to be engaged. Our amygdala perceived a threat to our survival and triggered our fight or flight reaction, not response, reaction, which increased our chances of living another day, passing on our genes, and propagating our species. And then psychology today goes on to say exactly what I said, which is those visceral reactions that come up when we're dealing with modern day stress, like um, we're having financial difficulty or we're having an argument with a loved one or our boss is reprimanding us at work or even if we lose our job. Our physical survival isn't being immediately threatened. I mean... Yeah, there is some threat to safety if you feel like you're losing your support system or your financial support, but you're not like in immediate danger of being killed right away. So the article in Psychology Today goes on to say these same instinctive and visceral reactions arise when confronted by modern day situation in which our physical survival isn't threatened, but rather what is called psychological survival, which involves threats to our self-identity. So how we perceive ourselves, our self-esteem, and our goals. Present day survival instincts, what we would commonly refer to as our baggage includes perfectionism, fear of failure, need for control, need to please, and other things that keep ourselves psychologically feeling safe on a psychological level. So basically, reacting to situations in the modern day world do not often lead to the most positive outcomes. So they give an example also in the workplace, because I feel like that's where these emotions seem to arise the most because, you know, when you're working like that's basically our survival in the world now is that we have jobs and we make money. And if you're not getting your income um, and you're not being seen for who you are in the world, that's the thing that causes reactions in the modern world. So they give the example here. If a colleague gets a promotion and you thought it you were going to get this promotion, You're going to naturally be disappointed, hurt, maybe even a little angry. If you let that anger overwhelm you and you storm into your boss's office and start screaming at them, that's a reaction that will not help you get a promotion in the future. And it's not even helpful for your survival in the world. So psychology today goes on to say, thankfully part of our evolution has involved the emergence of the cerebral cortex and more specifically our prefrontal cortex, which governs what has become widely known as our executive functioning, which is what we talked about last week, which is associated with memory analysis, planning, problem solving, weighing risks and rewards, Considering short term and long term costs and benefits and decision making. Our prefrontal cortexes tend to develop differently. So, it's not necessarily that people who are on the autism spectrum or with ADHD have like a damaged prefrontal cortex, it's just that they are, they develop differently and our organizational skills might manifest differently. So, that's important to know. I mean, it's just to me, it's important to know, you know, what kind of body and brain are, are you operating, right? Like not everyone's brain is the same. So we are all responsible for understanding the things that trigger reactions rather than responses in us. So, you know, as somebody who is on the autism spectrum and also has been diagnosed with ADHD, right now, one of the things I'm most focused on is is trying to figure out exactly which things in my life are triggers to my to reactions. What kind of things are going to overwhelm me? And I find it's not anything necessarily specific. It's more accumulation of things. I have found that leaving the house is a big deal for me. You know, when I leave the house and come back, I'm often like really, really, really exhausted. Even if I'm just like going to the ATM to get cash or get quarters for the laundry or put gas in my car, even if it's, I'm barely interacting with anyone. I just find that, you know, going out and running errands, I pretty much won't do, like I've I've structured my days so that I'm sort of spreading the stress out, (laughs) you know? So it's not like I'm like, like doing a whole bunch of activities that are really stressful for me in one day. So like I have one day where I clean the house and I have another day where I do laundry and I have another day that's a mental health day so that I'm making sure that I'm just taking care of myself. I found that I've had to, to really consciously organize myself that way. It doesn't come naturally. I will overwhelm myself all day long. You know, just go, 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 go. And then by the end of the day, I come home and I'm screaming at my husband for no reason and he doesn't deserve that. So, you know, now I'm at least I'm understanding like a lot of people, they can go out, run errands, you know, go to a yoga class, um, get their oil changed, come home and make dinner and they're fine. I find that like it's like my my brain is ready to implode if I'm doing too many activities at once. So before I got my diagnosis, I really felt like my reactions, my emotional reactions, or just my reactions when I got overwhelmed were like a character flaw of some sort. And it turns out there's actually evidence that it is a neurobiological difference. In the National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information and CBI, and in uh, PubMed Central, There is a, um, there's a report and it was published in March of 2020 by Steve Lukito, PhD. Comparative meta-analysis of brain structural and functional abnormalities during cognitive control in attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and autism spectrum disorder. And like, I don't really like the word disorder because I just think it's a difference. I don't really think people have disorders. It's only disordered because we're all expected to process information the same way and we don't all process information the same way. They were studying the cognitive control, comparing people with autism and ADHD. The conclusion says, people with ADHD and ASD have mostly distinct structural abnormalities within large frontotemporal GMV in ASD and reduced orbitofrontal GMV and ADHD and mostly distinct functional abnormalities which were more pronounced in ASD. So um, GMV stands for gray matter volume. VBM stands for voxel-based morphometry. <laughs> so yes, basically what we're learning now is that I don't know that people are inherently lazy. They might actually have a prefrontal cortex abnormality. If you have ADHD or ASD, it is not a character flaw if you feel your executive functioning skills are lacking. And it's not a character flaw if you feel like you have a hard time initiating things and taking action. It could be a neurobiological difference that you have. It is our responsibility, though, to to know ourselves and to be responsible for these things so that we aren't in a situation where we're reacting instead of responding or having a neurological meltdown instead of taking care of ourselves. So back to the article by Psychology Today. And they say, referring back to the Latin root of respond, which means answering in words, We are activating our cerebral cortex and thus using our evolved brain to deal with the complicated and far more common challenges we face in the 21st century. We can engage in deliberate thinking and thoughtful decision-making, which then guide our thinking emotions and behavioral responses to the situation we face. These responses reproduce much more desirable outcomes to those in which we react. Even though our amygdala may have outlived most of its usefulness, it still exerts undue influence over our thinking, emotions, and behavior. Yet, thanks to our prefrontal cortex, we humans do have the capacity to override it in many situations, including stressful ones. But it takes pre-planning, awareness, determination, and time for our evolved brain to override our primitive brain and serve our interests and goals in the complex world in which we live in a much better way. So the next time you are confronted with the modern day equivalent of your survival being threatened, how can you be sure that you will respond instead of react? Here are four practical steps you can take. First, catalog the common situations in which your amygdala is activated, leading to a reaction on your part. So that's basically just knowing what your triggers is. And when you become conscious of what your triggers is, you're kind of preparing your prefrontal cortex for when these situations arise so that you can access your responses instead of your reactions. Next, this preparation enables you to recognize such a situation when faced with one quickly. This simple act of detection means that your prefrontal cortex is activated and already suppressing your amygdala's urges. Then, very importantly, stop. By hitting the pause button, give yourself several seconds. Interrupt the information going to your amygdala and prevent it from causing you to react in the moment. In doing so, You will also redirect further details from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex, allowing the latter to become further activated and take control over your thinking, emotions, and behavior. So you're just basically retraining your brain. You want to retrain your your brain to default to your wisdom instead of your instinctual and prehistoric reactions. So once you have trained your prefrontal cortex to be the one that is in charge, you can then play to its strengths and based on the careful analysis of the circumstances, make a deliberate decision about how to respond to the situation in a way that will lead to the best possible outcome. So again, this was uh, in Psychology Today. It was posted October 5th, 2021 by Jim Taylor, Ph.D. I really have never thought about this until I started riding a motorcycle and was realizing that my responses kept doing things like causing me to crash, causing me to skid out, uh, causing me to drop my motorcycle. And when I started retraining myself to override reactions with learned responses, then I started really enjoying the ride and not being so scared. Like I mean, there were times I was learning how to ride a motorcycle where I was just sitting there terrified, and it was not enjoyable at all. One of the keys is having that patience to retrain your brain to respond instead of react. Anyway, I hope that this has been a helpful conversation for you. Hopefully, it will help you um, differentiate between when you're having a reaction and when you need to pause and respond. I was interviewed by a psychiatrist named Dr. Mark Goulston, and he had a phrase that he liked to call pause for poise. And pausing for poise to me is when you're putting your amygdala on hold and you are accessing your prefrontal cortex and we are using our more evolved brains to navigate us through our lives. So I like to think of that, pause for poise. So responding instead of reacting, pausing for poise, using our wisdom instead of our reactions to carry us through life. That's the difference between reacting and responding. My name is Leslie Reyes. I'm the author of The Zen of Learning to Ride a Motorcycle, which is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much anywhere books are sold online. It is also available on audiobook at Audible, and I will have the links for my book in the description below. I hope that you will join me again for Mental Health Monday, where we can learn how to face our fears and shift our gears together. And I hope...